The Hornets lose, but the biggest storyline, LaMelo gets ejected. What did his coach have to say about the ejection? And then we'll talk about more trade rumors. All today on Locked On Hornets. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. In a minute, cuz we live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcast. That includes YouTube, by the way. Also, today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on nba if you don't know who we are if you're new to the podcast i'm walker mail you can find me on wfnz 92.7 fm in charlotte from 12 to 3 i'll be on the air and that's doug branson find a sub stack every hornets box score on every hornets box score.com let's get to it doug because a lot of people are frustrated including our star player in Lamelo ball last night the game wasn't out of reach, but it, I mean, pretty decided at that point, barring an improbable comeback. Chicago was up. They were up nine points. LaMelo actually steals the pass, goes for a layup. Zach Levine fouls him, except Zach Levine does not get called for said foul. So LaMelo gets frustrated enough to the point where he keeps chirping at the refs. And as he does that, he gets ejected. He leaves. He takes off the jersey in the tunnel. He's done. It boils over. This comes after the game against Milwaukee, where he got slapped across the face by Giannis, hits the layup, but does not get the opportunity to go to the foul line and complete the and one play. So gets hit in the face against Giannis, doesn't get the call. Then gets hit on the elbow in a fast break opportunity, doesn't get the call. So then that's why he gets so frustrated. LaMelo has not demonstrated high emotion that has been at the expense of the officials this year. This is not someone that gets in these problems all the time, right? I mean, I think he's a passionate player, but I don't think you're talking about LaMelo at all, disrespecting the officials with any level of frequency. And so when he has his emotions boil over by not getting any foul calls, we applaud it. My whole timeline, Doug, it seemed like, I mean, look, I imagine we follow a lot of the same as we are in Hornets community. We are immersed in Hornets Twitter. Man, everybody was like, cool. Like, this is getting ridiculous at this point, Doug. And so hopefully, hopefully this is the last straw. After the last two games, the NBA, the officials, they have to be on just a little bit more notice. But if if it's anything like it has been as far as the lack of respect he's getting from officials, then we can expect more of this uh, throughout the rest of the season. It wasn't just about Levine hitting him on the elbow, although it was clear. Like, I don't know how the referee did not see it. And it wasn't just about the play where Giannis hits him on the head. In fact, he got hit on the head on a no call in this game. But it's not about just these two games. LaMelo has been frustrated with the way he's been whistled this entire season. And let's add some context to this, Walker. He came into this season with a goal to draw more uh, foul calls, opportunities to go to the line. And he consulted with officials before the season to try to look at tape and figure out what he could do to to get a, a more friendly whistle, to get the things that should be called, called, and, and to draw more fouls. And you constantly see him, and David Walker mentioned this uh, on his appearance this week, you constantly see him on some of these fouls that he commits 
going up to officials and, and trying to learn from them and say, hey, what, what, what was going on there? Like he doesn't have a he doesn't have a history of confrontation with with referees, but it's boiled over. It, it, it has boiled over. It has gotten to the point where it is ridiculous. And somebody had to stand up and say something. And I think, unfortunately, that someone was Lamelo who gets the two texts. David uh, Walker on Twitter mentioning that the Bulls broadcast actually standing up for LaMelo saying that those two texts were a little bit unnecessary, it being so close to the end of the game. And he wasn't, you know, especially on the second technical, I don't know what was said to the official. Obviously, something was said such that they called the T, but he wasn't like super emotional about Correct. it. He wasn't That's like, a, yes, 100%. It, no, no, you're right. It's not some LeBron James tantrum, right? Like it's not. Yeah, he wasn't on his born. knees crying, you know, up to the heavens saying, "Why, God, why?" No, not e- not even close. But it was enough for him to get that technical. And here's the other problem: Steve Clifford was asked about it after the game, to the point where he could have had a message. And so I'm doing I'm doing a post game show last night for WFNZ, and so I, I don't get to hear his interview with Ashley Shamity. I do hear a little bit of the press conference after that, right? There's a couple of times he'll speak after the game and then he's all said and done, but there was an opportunity for him to address this in a way that could have defended LaMelo. And instead, this is the way that Steve Clifford decided to answer a question about LaMelo's ejection. About winning. Yeah, you can't, uh, you know, he knows this. We have one rule, no fourth quarter technicals. You can't take them. It's, it's, uh, you know, that's inexcusable. Um, because, uh, you know, it's a fourth quarter's different. So um, we had a couple early in the year, and um, you're right. You know, he does it because he wants to win, but you can't, you know, you can't take it there. I want to ask you lastly. So, okay, I talked about this before I, I started discussing the ejection, right? An improbable comeback could have happened, sure. That technical, those foul shots, that pretty much iced the game. If LaMelo's absence from the team did not ice the game certainly the extra free throws and that and that separation did okay you got a rule it's a pretty good one no doubt about it but we can apply context to different rules here and if you're Steve Clifford you can say look we have a rule that you should not get technicals in the fourth quarter you can't do it because it hurts your team but I understand why Lamella was so frustrated because we are not getting the, the foul calls that we should be in this situation there, there are ways to acknowledge that you have a team rule and also apply some context into what's happening. And Steve Clifford didn't do that. Let's also address this. Clifford and LaMelo Ball have a really good relationship. That was true at the beginning of the season. If you weren't a believer then, cool, because there hadn't been any games yet, you might be right to have some skepticism. But we've actually heard that as the year goes on, where LaMelo not only is just giving you the cliche, yeah, great coach, yada, yada, but he lights up in some of these interviews talking about Steve, how close they are. And so it's not like Steve has been building this wall between himself and his star player, but this was a moment that he could have taken advantage of to say, Hey, look, it, it just isn't working from the official standpoint. They got to start calling these fouls and LaMelo is being more aggressive now and he's getting to the foul line more, but he should be getting there more um, because they're just not calling the fouls that they should. what did you make of Steve Clifford's comments? Well, Walker, you know what I made of these comments because you were with me on the last show when we were talking about the, those Milwaukee fouls. That's true. Yes, and eat I the called, five, baby. Yeah, on this show, I called for <laughs> Steve Clifford to reach into the back pocket, open up the wallet, and, and give up some money just so he could defend his star player. 
and, and try to influence these officials in some way. Do it on the court, but also I, I think it does matter when a coach comes and says it to the media and says, hey, this is ridiculous and this has got to stop. And I, I, don't, I really don't understand why in that moment you don't defend your best player, especially, Walker, especially when you take into consideration in that fourth quarter, it was LaMelo's aggression that was keeping them in that game. It was him putting his head down and getting to the rack time after time through contact and not through contact. He had 12 points in that fourth quarter before he exited. He was the only reason why they were in that game. And so, you know, Tex be damned. He he was helping them to possibly win that game. So I think you have to stand up for your star player in that moment. I think it's really interesting that Clifford picked that particular time to critique LaMelo in the media because you and I have talked about it a lot, Walker. He's been very careful, you know, even when it was uh, when the when the foul trouble was an issue, when he was leaving the game from for six fouls instead of getting ejected or when the defense was an issue and he's been asked about it multiple times this season, he has not taken the opportunity to directly criticize LaMelo. It doesn't mean that those critiques aren't happening. It's just those Mm -hmm. critiques seem to be happening behind the scenes instead of in front of the cameras. And I think it's just super interesting that he picks this particular moment uh, to to criticize his star player uh, for, for a rule that, yes, I agree with you, sure, is a rule, but I think you have to take into consideration the fact that this whistle is absurd. It was, and we've seen this happen a couple of times. You mentioned a few things there. I want to get to on the other side of the break. Coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. I want to talk about a few more angles regarding this Lamelo Ball ejection and the way he's playing. I don't. I, I feel like this is as close we've been with Lamelo as Hornets fans, if that makes sense. And I'll try to explain it if it doesn't. Coming up in the next segment. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, the values, and the experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools, and they go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post and uh, your company and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. It's why small business rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs, they help you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. More locked on Hornets coming up next. This is Locked on Hornets. To start this off, we all know about LeBron and how he built a school and it got a lot of fanfare. By the time 2019 closes, Bismack Biombo is planning to have six schools. Take that, LeBron. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. There's a few things I wanted to just throw out. There were so many thoughts as you were going on your soliloquy about this, Doug. And so Mm -hmm. for me, I feel like us as Hornets fans, I don't know if we've ever been as close as we are now to LaMelo, like just felt what he's feeling because of our frustration regarding the franchise for so long. Right. And so now what you're seeing is your star player, the best thing to happen to this franchise, you know, possibly ever 
you know, at, at the very worst since LJ or Zoe or whatever, right? Just pick up, pick whatever decent thing has happened to this franchise. LaMelo Ball here is starting to grow as a 21-year-old. You mentioned how it was because of the way that he was playing in the fourth quarter against Chicago and that Steve Clifford should have defended it because he was giving his all. And that's been happening the last few games. And and it might be weird. If you look at the box score and then you see two of 15 a few games out, it's like, goodness gracious, what an awful shooting night for LaMelo. But he does get to the foul line. He has been playing a lot better in the fourth quarter. It's been winning time for him. At least it's been attempted winning time in some of these other contests. And we're just sitting nah, the officials like, no, it's okay. It's okay. We're not, we're not going to let this happen, but it's, but it's cute. It's real nice. I feel like he's starting to identify with us. Like he is becoming the yeah. team. Uh, you know, This is what we've been wanting so long. And he's our warrior. He is our savior. It is something we have talked about him for so long being, but now we are seeing that in an actual war, right? Like in an actual defense of what we've been feeling and it's and it's great to see somebody stick up for the team and have that level of aggression with that kind of star power yeah and it would be great to see someone stick up for him i mean i think that's that's what we're saying here and and look i i don't know what in particular has gotten into Lamelo, but i wrote this in my every hornets box score recap he's playing like a bleep hole but in the best way like he has turned up the aggression knob he's he's got i think I think probably maybe for the first time in his career, like a chip on his shoulder. Like there's this, I think there's this been this whole idea and this mystique around him that he has placed around himself. He's not afraid to talk about this, that he's rare, that he's one of one, you know, that, that he is uh, different and he, he certainly is. Uh, but the referees are not treating him that way. And that's leading to a lot of this frustration. And so I think he's he's trying to work that out of his game. Some of the frustration fouls, some of that frustration, it's about channeling it. And I think he's starting to channel it in a way that leads him to play like he did in the fourth quarter offensively. What I wonder is if Clifford's critique in that postgame press conference, if it's not a projection, if it's not really about the foul, if it's not really about the right. technical, if it's more about the whole game, like if you step back and look at that entire game, it was about the team not shooting well and then not playing defensively great off of that and allowing Chicago, especially in that fourth quarter, to get whatever they wanted to. And Lamelo too, yeah. And Lamelo, to be fair, was part of that. His his defense on Desunmu was questionable at times. He wasn't the only reason. I mean, there was defensive issues across the board. But he was part of that, you know, run uh, out of the out of the second half. Uh, so I, I just wonder if that if part of that is Clifford still seeing the defensive issues and saying, "Look, you've got to have that aggression on both ends of the floor." What well, right? You're you're saying that Steve Clifford wasn't really focused on that particular part because the game was somewhat already lost. And so maybe in his head, he's answering questions about why they lost. And that's the first thing he goes to. It's Andre Drummond. It's not being physical. And so look. He still has to do it, but I'm with you on what Steve Clifford could have been thinking there. Go ahead. You wanted to clarify? Well, it's just that I think he's frustrated that they didn't win the game and that they had an opportunity to. They played Chicago close throughout yeah. that first half, and it looked like they had another opportunity to steal one. And this is, goes back to something I've been saying over and over. We've got. I think the organization really has to approach this trade deadline from a perspective of let's take the keys away from Steve Clifford. Let's refocus the entire organization's you, you know outlook on next season and the next season. 
and and learning and developing and less on winning game to game. Uh, you know, I, I think that would benefit everybody. Uh, but look, bottom line, Walker, at some point, this organization from the top, from MJ to Kupchak to Clifford, have to come to terms with the fact that LaMelo is the best player they've had in many, many years. And they have to, at some point, they have to turn, to flip the switch and start treating them like that. I, I just, well, I, I really don't understand what's going on. Well, and, and again, right, like it would be, it would be a little different. I'd be, you know, rolling my eyes and just disgusted at this point if, if it kept, it kept happening under Steve Clifford, right? Like this is, it's, it's not like Steve has been sending these messages through the media. You know, he's not been doing that. And again, the relationship nope. is good. And I do want to talk right. about it under that umbrella. And we can also criticize the fact that, hey, this is probably the time where you don't need to be calling it inexcusable in that soundbite that we just played. Because I always go back to when we talk about coaches and their messages after games, I always go back to a conversation that I had with Kevin Arnovitz, ESPN writer, and it was right after that playoff series where the Memphis Grizzlies, they play, they play the Spurs. And remember, they get no calls. It leads to the famous soundbite of David Fisdale saying, take that for data, right? We're not going to get rooked like that. I'm not going to (laughs) get rooked. It was, it was a great press conference and he's talking about the refs in a high stakes postseason appearance. But mm-hmm. Kevin Arnovitz said, and there was another coach that did something like that, and I forget who, but Kevin said it's clear right now that coaches are talking to their team through the media. And it's like, well, okay, that's that's something we can all see pretty clearly. But that coaches might even save messages to go to the go to the media, take it to the podium, and to them, they spun it in a way where it wasn't an avenue for media to ask questions, but that podium served as an avenue as another another channel for messaging to their team and so if you're steve clifford because it it holds a different power right it's in front of everybody it's in front of the cameras everybody's watching at home if it's good enough it might get to sports center it certainly is going to be played in local media it's a different channel that everybody's watching anybody that cares is watching and that is where you provide your message and so a lot of coaches took that advantage of that and they saw that and so not steve clifford's not putting that much thought into it i get it but I, I do wonder just in your bag as a veteran head coach, how often that does come about and say, well, maybe this would be a good time to send it out into the media. Well, and uh, LaMelo also has that opportunity. I- I'll wait to see today, you know, if, if uh, what, which players uh, were made available after the game. But look, we saw Donovan Mitchell after he. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> I don't know if he's. Yes, he, so he, he gets, yeah, he he gets a shot to the crotch from uh, Dylan Brooks. It was obviously on purpose. Dylan has a reputation of of making some of these unnecessary plays. Gets a shot to the crotch, and they go after it. They fight each other. Kevin Harlan, go watch. I retweeted it on my Twitter account at Doug Branson L O H. Just go watch the replay. Forty four seconds in, Kevin Harlan, the announcer, hits everyone with a boink <laughs> when he's watching Dylan Brooks hit him in the goobies. Uh, he says, boy, and it's just hilarious. I couldn't st- in the goobies. I couldn't stop watching it. Like I was so upset about the Lamella thing. And then I watched Kevin Harlan go boy over and over again. Um, it was amazing. But anyway, all that to say that Donovan after the game goes out and grabs the mic and tells the Cavs PR, Hey, I'm about to lose some money here and just goes off on Dylan Brooks. Uh, and, and in a way that, yes, he probably is going to get fined in some way. So look, LaMelo has that opportunity too. I don't know if he spoke after the game, but he has that opportunity. If he wanted to go to Hornets PR and say, look, I got something to say. I want to be made available to the media. He can do that. Uh, so, so, you know, yeah, look for that in the that's future. That's interesting. 
so so maybe this is the last thing we can get to before the trade scuttlebutt as i don't know who is scuttlebutt why are we trading him is there a reason oh he's is not he's, sc- not, like- he's not scoring enough uh you know oh, he's, he's not he's not aggressive um he's not showing up for his team in the fourth quarter not hitting clutch Defend baskets got trade scuttlebutt. scuttlebutt how about that yeah how where's he at? he'll be the enforcer yeah, some of these players, too, you know, you make a good point there. Where are the other players? You know, some of the other players could say the same thing. And it doesn't have to be something where they get fined. But nobody's saying anything about it. It's just so weird to me. I don't know. So, I just don't so know what we're thing, doing here. You know how we talk about LaMelo? We've talked about his media savvy or lack thereof, whatever you want to, however you want to spin it with LaMelo, right? He's not a long-winded dude with any question you're going to ask him. That's just how LaMelo is. So... It's interesting you point out that maybe LaMelo could do the whole Donovan Mitchell thing and then go to the mic and say something. How long does the message have to be, for lack of a better term? Does he just have to – because in my head, Doug, I mean, we've covered LaMelo long enough for him for, – for, for my picturing of that to be, yeah, man, I'm just not getting calls. It's ridiculous at this point. You know, I'm driving. I'm being more aggressive. I'm just not getting calls. It's, it's kind of ridiculous. Done. Right? Like, I, I, don't, I don't picture him saying, look, this is a real problem. It's happened the last couple of times where Giannis hits me in the face, Zach Levine does, and it's dangerous for the players. Look, I've battled some injuries this year. Like, you know, I, I don't I don't know there's going to be a whole lot of elaboration. And if there's not, then how strong is that message to the league? And so this is where I wonder, okay, how much of the, of the media savvy within LaMelo, how much does that play a part in actually calling for change and doing the whole messaging that some of these stars can bring? Like, we see it all the time with a lot of other stars in the league. And ultimately, this all may be great for LaMelo. You know, the refs not respecting him, he's got to go out there and force them to respect him. And and I'm confident after I've seen him over the past couple of games, again, I've seen a change. I've seen a corner being turned for LaMelo Ball. And I think when we look back on all this, we're going to say, hey, this was part of a – and the refs aren't doing it on purpose. They're not like, oh, we got to develop LaMelo, so we're not going to – like none of that's happening, but he's responding – to the things that are happening in his environment. And I think it's going to turn him into a better, more aggressive superstar level player for the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, But at some point, you know, you need somebody to defend you. And, and, you know, I I think it's, it's high time for someone to do that. Yeah. And and even if if this isn't the last straw, then goodness gracious, man, I don't know what it's going to take. All right. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the uh, trading of Scuttlebutt and, and what we can get in return, how much value Scuttlebutt can bring you. Coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Besides Scuttlebutt, we do have a couple of other names that have been linked to the Hornets. Within a week now of the trade deadline, we'll have you covered on all things trade deadline regarding Charlotte, and we're going to get to that in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book, and we're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because, they're the, because they are the number one sports book in America. And if you're new to FanDuel, it's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy, and you can download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. So the FanDuel Sportsbook app, it's safe, it's secure, it's super easy to use. And best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. Join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash on to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com. Slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. One more segment to go on Locked On Hornets. 
is locked on Hornets. I know a lot about the weight room. I know a lot, a ton, ton about the weight. I, I, I don't, I don't lift a lot of weights, uh, but I do kind of stand around the weight room. I sort of, I kind of. Are you using that? Are you, you're good. Okay, good. Okay, good. Yeah. And you know, no, I stand yeah. around the weight room a lot. Do you have the high socks and the headband on with your hair tied back? Oh yeah, big like white tube socks for sure. Yeah, yeah. headband. Yeah, I've got it all. I've got yeah, big head, these big head, these headphones right here that you see me wearing on YouTube right now. I take these into the gym. <laughs> so I just, you know, it's about looking professional. You got to look the part, right? Dress for the job that you want. That's how I feel about how I am in the weight room. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. All right, Doug, more rumors out there about the Charlotte Hornets, who they could get in return for a Mason Plumlee, a Kelly Oubre. We do have some news on Kelly Oubre. We can get to as well in just a moment. But uh, Bones Highland for the Denver Nuggets. Apparently, Bones Highland is someone that is not happy with his role with the Denver Nuggets, the number one seated in the Western Conference Denver Nuggets, the, the team that has the MVP possible three-time MVP when it's all said and done this year and Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray Bones isn't too happy Doug you're you're, you're scrunching your face well, why is it that you have that thought process was Bones Highland is he a six-year vet or a seven-year vet like how long has he been in the league I'll, I'll tell you one second um this is uh his second it's his second <laughs> oh, okay season. Oh wow! Just <laughs> just really impatient. <laughs> not right? a, like, not, not happy right. with his role after two years. All right, right. I mean, this is the thing, right? I mean, with Bones Highland, who's not happy with his role, and I forget who had the report. So, excuse me, we need we should give credit. We'll get a research team on it. But with Bones Highland not being happy with his role, this is someone that is shooting right at forty percent from the field. He's shooting thirty eight percent from three, which is a good percentage, right? Shooting well from the free throw line doesn't get there a whole lot, but pretty negative on defense just not playing at all on that side of the floor not very good there um and you're talking about a team that is going to be a championship contender this season with the mvp on the roster with jamal murray by mm -hmm. the way who mm -hmm. is starting to get around to what he was before like maybe I don't, I don't know about the quickness this is all st uh stat breakdown right i'm not ashamed to admit that it's not like i watched a whole lot of jamal murray film in the last month and then tried to say that it's just jamal the numbers look pretty damn good right now and we know how talented denver is and so that's what i look at too right so we, we can look at bones highlands numbers we can watch film on him and we can say based off of that that it might not make sense for charlotte to pursue bones highland despite maybe their inquiry just a little bit but we can also look at him not being happy with his role on this team as a 22-year-old where you are at the very best, the the fifth best player. And that's disrespect to, to Bruce Brown and KCP. Like, I would say Bones is worse than those guys. I'm just trying to give a little wiggle room there. What do you make of uh, the possibility the Hornets could go trade for Bones? Well, look, if Bones wants a bigger opportunity on a on a team that doesn't have any chance at, at playoff success, then come on down to Charlotte. Like, that's the perfect opportunity for him. So he'd love sure. it. I'm not sure that fans would be interested in it. I'm not sure that the if if they feel like Steve Clifford is the answer at coach long term, 
Bones doesn't feel like a typical Steve Clifford player. In fact, he seems like an anti-DSJ. That's correct. Like D- yep. DSJ struggling mightily on offense right now, although in that game against Chicago, he had two absolute beauty jams. Uh, yammer, one of them, that, that one, that, the second one, was a Yammer of the Year award nominee for sure. I mean, it was a powerful dunk. Uh, so maybe maybe he's turning the corner a little bit, getting back to uh, the way he was early in the season. But Bones Highland, anti-DSJ, so I wouldn't understand trading for trading for him. I mean, he is on a rookie-scale contract, so I guess that's attractive. I would be more interested in the other guard that they've been linked to. Sam Amico had the Hornets and the Pistons both sniffing around someone they played last night, Ayo Desunmu, who is a guard that is aggressive defensively and is a one-man fast break and was uh, really dicing up uh, every defensive assignment that the Hornets threw at him last night. He was getting to the rim at will, uh, had 18 points before he could blink. Uh, and, you know, Desunmu, I think, strong, uh, aggressive guard. I would love to see them trade for Desunmu if, if Chicago was willing to give him up, but I don't know why they would be willing to give him up at this point. He seems like a, a great piece for them. And that is based off of contending now and building for the future, which is which is a possibility for them, right? I mean, with Chicago, yeah. they could be looking to recoup some assets that they lost in the Vucevic trade by one yeah. trading Vucevic, but also Zach Levine that that could be happening at some point as well. And so, yeah, I, I would, it, I would it think, doesn't feel like right. Chicago is is on some trajectory for playoff success. It feels like they're probably. Uh, two steps from where the Hornets are right now, just on the verge of having to rethink everything. Well, and, and just to clean up the Bones Highlands rumors real quickly, James Plowright actually put this out um, pretty much just yesterday, and it was Chris Haynes on his podcast, This League Uncut, mm. and he said this, quote, what I do know is there's a couple of teams who have registered interest among those two I know for sure are Minnesota and Charlotte. And then James said that Mark Stein added he had not heard Charlotte linked. Bones Highland is a North Carolina native. Take that for whatever it's worth. Um, mm. So, you know, maybe maybe there's something <laughs> there. But the, the last thing about Bones, just real quickly, I saw Andy Bailey tweet this out. He said, no Bones Highland last night. Like, he didn't play. And then he said, it, it to have a second-year player where it seems this inevitable that he is going to get traded is pretty rare. Like, apparently it got bad really quickly. Just all of a sudden it seems, oh, okay, it's it's that bad. Like things are, have boiled over that much. Okay, wow. And so that scares you if you're a team. I'm sorry. Like how, how many other franchises are looking at that situation and saying, oh, yeah, baby, bring all that here. I, I can't wait for Highland to just come over here and mix it up. Ah, he's making no bones about it. He's unhappy. Yeah, he's not taking the Highland. That's not he's not doing that right now. All right, that'll do it for Lockdown Hornets. Is there anything else that you had as far as the trade scuttlebutt, or was it just Bones and Io Desunmu? Oh well, you know we did we did get the report uh, from Rod Boone about Kelly Oubre wanting right. to stay in in Charlotte long term. I have the quotes here. Uh, when asked about his name being involved in some of these trade rumors, he said, "Quote." Uh, I hope they just keep my name out of it. I'm looking for a home somewhere where I can just win and grow and continue to perfect my craft and also help the city, help this organization. I love everyone on this team and the staff, so I would love to stay here. I'm from New Orleans. The New Orleans Hornets used to be my favorite team. (laughs) And now I play for the Charlotte Hornets. And it couldn't come more full circle than that. So hopefully God has got it in his plan for me to stay. I laugh there because... Yeah, I don't know if Kelly Oubre is aware of the pain that is involved <laughs> with the. I'm glad maybe you he is. Maybe that he's. Team. 
Yeah, I don't think Hornets fans are, are going to really love that he was a fan of the New Orleans Hornets because those aren't those aren't our Hornets, uh, and there's a lot of pain involved there. But that aside, um, it is super interesting to me that Kelly does want to stay in Charlotte long term because when he came here, the first you know when when he comes here at first, he does make it clear that he wants to start. And that's never really been in the cards for him other than, you know, injury, injury replacement yeah. kind of situation. And yet he has uh, he's really spoken highly of his relationship with Steve Clifford earlier in the season about how they get along and about what Clifford has been able to do to unlock some things in Kelly Oubre's game. I don't know that Walker, my question to you would be like, does this does it matter that Kelly wants to say in Charlotte long term? Should uh. that affect any kind of trade discussions? I don't I don't think so as much as I like it man look I tsunami poppy is is great I I love the entire aura that surrounds tsunami poppy all of it and it's just you know this is something that Nada talks about constantly we heard it on locked on hornets quite a bit and then when he makes guest appearance you know he talks about this being a people business and I value that I do um it it can't come at the expense of making your team better with these situations right like I I understand just trading everybody for assets and just not giving a belief about anybody else on the squad and then developing a bad reputation that way. If, if you, if there's a team that values Kelly Oubre to the point where they give you, I don't know, a protected first, um, you know, a young, a young guy that actually has shown some flashes and they just want a veteran when he comes back from injury that can help fill it up off the bench, then you got to make the team better in that scenario. So yeah, it's, I understand these are always tricky lines, but I I don't, I don't know if, if these Kelly Oubre comments you look at and say, man, you know, but he, but he likes staying here. All right. We're not going to do this trade that we think helps better the team. So as much as it's, yeah, I mean, it's cool. Anytime a, a talented player like Kelly Oubre wants to stay in Charlotte and doesn't have aspirations to go to, you know, a playoff team and, and go chase a ring somewhere as the, you know, se- you know second or third guy off the bench. Like, that's that's super cool. And, and I would be more on board for keeping a guy like Kelly Oubre if the Hornets were like one or two years away. I don't believe they're one or two years away from playoff contention. I think they're this probably needs to be a reset that's going to take, you know, multiple years. Even if, Because, look, even if they – end this season with the worst record in the NBA, they only have a 14% shot at the number one pick. And I think it's like 50, 50 odds that they dropped to four or five or six. And so like, you know, that being said, nothing is guaranteed for next season. And so this could be a multi-year rebuild. And I think you have to think that way. And, and I think he's, he's close to returning. And if he returns and and plays super well, and you don't take that opportunity to trade him, um, it will hurt your your draft uh, odds, and I don't think that it totally helps you long term. So uh, for those reasons, I think you know they have to keep emotion out of it at this point. For those reasons, I'm out, as Mark Cuban might say <laughs> on Shark Tank. Um, <laughs> do you think there's ever going to be a player that says, you know what, I I grew up a Bobcats fan, you know I loved those playoff teams. <laughs> It'd be great to no! come full circle and, and stay here in Charlotte. <laughs> you know, those, oh man, Gerald Wallace and, and Cap Jack, that was fantastic. You know, those are my favorite teams. That, that no, was, I think, uh, well, I think we're, because, because players are cycling in so young, I think we're already beyond that point. Like, I think we're, we're going to be close to, we're closer to people coming into the league and not even knowing that the Bobcats existed. 
We're, so we're closer I'm, to people coming into the league saying they were fans of LaMelo and watching him with the Charlotte Hornets. And then that's, you know, this is going to yeah. be 20 years from now. Like, hey, remember, the, I, I hope it's not, man, the, those those few years where LaMelo was with Charlotte, that was fun. Yeah, that was awesome. I really like that. No, no, those those lots of years is what I'm hoping for. Um, all right. I, I wanted to do the all the, the Chris Littman thing. I tried to end the show like two topics early. I, I did not want to do that, but I felt like I was missing something. I know Chris Littman asked us. It's the second time we're mentioning a tweet here in, the, in consecutive weeks. So big shout to Chris. But he came up with a fun game that we can let you guys think about over the weekend and then maybe tweet at us at Lockdown Hornets at Walker Mail at Doug Branson LOH. You can tweet at us right in the YouTube comments who you feel like are a part of the all trade rumor team. How was it worded from Chris Littman, Doug? Yeah, he said, watching Drummond last night made me think of the rumors about him over the years with Charlotte. What would your uh, all most rumored Hornets trade deadline team be? Yeah, three names immediately come to mind. Like, just not even thinking about it, three names do. It is Andre Drummond. He mentions it there. And Andre, the classic, what would you used to say, Doug? Go ahead. With Andre. Anytime Andre Drummond was rumored. I, I say a lot of things, man. What, what, get what out I of say? here, Drummond. Oh, get, get, out out of here. Yeah, get out of here, DeRozan. DeRozan would make my team, too. Maybe I started um, that more than anything. <laughs> Andre Drummond, Miles Turner is is the captain of this of this squad. He is the, the best player on this roster. Russell Westbrook, too, man. Like, we've, oh. we've tried to go after Russell Westbrook quite a bit, whether it was Houston, even Washington, and, that, and with the Lakers. I, those are the three names that come to mind immediately. Yeah, Marcus Saul, uh, Bogdanovich. Uh, that was a thing. Not not uh, not Bogdan. Both of those but were Boyan. strong possibilities. Like your names within just yeah, Bogdan one too. I, I remember Bogdan being tossed around. So both of the Bogdanoviches. Yeah, well, your yes, your your instances you brought up as, as far as like the higher likelihood within a single rumor. I was refreshing yeah. Woj and Shams, thinking, yeah, Marcus Gasol, it's a done deal. Like, they're going to go after him and try to make right. this playoff appearance with Kemba. So, those are good ones. Yeah, feel free to think of some of the names as you listen to this and then write in YouTube comment section, or you can tweet at us. All right, now that'll do it. We went over. I wanted to have some fun there. That'll do it for Lockdown Hornets. Thanks for making us your first listen. Free and available anywhere you get your podcast. Now make your second listen. Game to game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, again, wherever you get your podcast. Have a great weekend. We'll be back to recap it all on Monday. Get out of here, Bones Highland. 